I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking levels of health for type 7. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is that I am no longer in a subtype crisis. If you've been listening to the podcast over the last month or so, I have talked about being confident for so long that I was a social seven and then kind of having a little bit of a subtype crisis. Like, am I a self-press seven? And I had a phone call with Beatrice Chestnut, not about this, but we were just talking about subtypes in general. I'll get into that in a minute. But through that conversation, I was it was just so easy and clear that I am definitely a social seven. The mixed teachings around subtypes, I think, can, is what can oftentimes create this confusion around what is a self-pres seven, what is a social seven, um, because there are so many different schools of thought around subtypes. But my particular favorite is Beatrice's take on Claudia Naranjo's work, and under that kind of lens and through that scope, the much more intricate, detailed versions of subtypes that are available. Social 7 is explains my entire life. So with that being said, hooray, that's my rose. I'm so grateful to feel like I can just like chill out about that. It's a funny thing. I think many of us have that experience with the Enneagram where we question or doubt or try to like figure out where we sit in it, especially if you are an overthinker like some of us maybe and doing that as someone who's talking about the Enneagram all the time and who teaches the Enneagram to feel like questioning your own understanding of yourself through the lens of the Enneagram is a funny place to be because I feel like I always want to be super open and authentic in general and at the same time it's weird to have like self-reflective doubts if that makes sense so it's interesting to have that experience, but I am grateful to have some release and clarity around that idea. The thorn is that, um, as many of you know, I gave myself a quarantine haircut a couple of months ago and I cut my own bangs and honestly, I just can't figure it out. Like I can't figure out how I like them styled or if they are going to work the way I intended them to. And I know that I need to go and get like a professional to just make them right. (laughs) But um, I don't know when the time is. Like I don't know how long to let my bangs grow out before I make that decision. And so we're in like hair purgatory right now. And as someone who puts themselves on camera all day, every day for my job, um, you know, when you're not like into your hair, (laughs) it's weird, right? So that's my thorn. My bud is relates to why I was on the phone with Beatrice Chestnut, which is that I am teaching at the IEA conference next week and all on subtypes. Beatrice is my mentor for that. So she's kind of like serving as my support in that process. Um, but I'm presenting use on the discovery track specifically. So if you are new to the Enneagram and you want to join in on this virtual conference, you can do the dis- add the discovery track on and it will set the stage for you to go in and do all of the other 
workshops that you want to take, which is going to give you all the information about what is the Enneagram? What do you need to know about the Enneagram? <laughs> like just so you can get your bases covered. Um, so if you haven't signed up, you should definitely do that. Usually this conference is in person, but they're doing it virtual this year because of the pandemic. So you have the opportunity to join in without having to travel, which is really cool. So you can use the code DISCOVERY6, all caps, to save money on your ticket. And that also kicks back to me so they know that I sent you and I get a little bit of a financial kickback from that. So it would mean a lot to me if you do that. And we will leave the link to it in the show notes. But I highly encourage you to join. It's going to have every single amazing Enneagram teacher that you could possibly imagine will be there. Like this is the Enneagram conference. So don't miss it. If you want to see my subtype workshop specifically, you can do that by adding on the discovery track ticket and joining in for that. So now let's get into these levels of health for type seven. As you probably know, I do have a bit of a preface to share before we do any of these level of health episodes. And that's that if you haven't already listened to the type seven breakdown episode and you're new to the Enneagram, you may want to check that out before you join me here. It's going to offer you the context needed for this conversation. And honestly, the same goes for the introduction to levels of health episode that went live on Monday, May 24th. It's also going to lay a foundation for the episode we're going to have today. Now, in each of these levels of health episodes, we discuss the varying levels of health for each Enneagram type from the lowest level all the way up to the highest, and we will end with the episode with a call to action. The Enneagram is a map and it works best when paired with a method. So these levels will give you an introduction to what growth looks like for you, but it doesn't really tell you how to get there. So my hope is that that call to action will be just a small step that you can take on the direction to those higher levels of health. And finally, this is all based on the work by Riso and Hudson. So if you want to go deeper and get your information straight from the source, I highly encourage it. And you may want to check out their book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. All right, we're really going to get into type seven now. So the interesting thing about levels of health is that because the Enneagram is what we thought we had to be our entire lives, what looks healthy for us could look like the opposite of what we thought it should be. So as you hear your types levels from unhealthy to healthy, you may th think that it feels like the opposite of growth, but when we think of health from the Enneagram perspective, it's about releasing the need to earn your place. You're owning that you are worthy as you are and embracing all nine perspectives. And according to Riso and Hudson, it's about how close you can get to being in the present moment. So for type sevens, we've spent a large portion of our lives focused on being without limitations, resisting emotional pain, being positive, and growth may look like setting some limits, right? Allowing yourself to honor your emotional landscape and being honest about the negative things that you maybe have experienced or are experiencing. Now let's first dialogue around the lower levels of health, starting with level nine, which is like pathological destructiveness, like full on untethered dark levels here. And then we'll go through level seven, the level of violation. So at level nine, type sevens burn themselves out, having sacrificed their energy and health, trying to outrun their pain. Now at this place, they become panicky and claustrophobic. They may find themselves in a deep depression, feeling a sense of hopelessness and may have impulsive suicidal tendencies. Now at this level, we associate type seven with bipolar disorder and histrionic personality disorder. At level eight, sevens are impulsive and run away from the truth of how they feel rather than facing their fears and negative emotions. 
At this point, they're prone to mood swings and a sense of mania. At level seven, sevens look for anything to ease their suffering. And this can cause them to be impulsive without a sense of when enough is enough. They're prone to addiction and escapism. And at this level, they can be offensive and even blunt, a little bit too direct, a little bit too honest about the negative things. We're going to take a quick break to hear from today's podcast sponsor, which is BetterHelp. I could not think of a better sponsor for today's episode because when we talk about growing through these levels of health, when we think about, you know, how do we get from level nine to level one, it's often and primarily therapy. This is one of the main things that we need for this process. So one of the things and honestly like as someone who's in therapy regularly i can oftentimes go from thinking like okay this is just maintenance and then one week we just have this big breakthrough that takes me even further on my growth journey and my enneagram journey even this week in therapy i had the conversation with my therapist about how most of my life as a seven i lived in this like super high space like i just like Life was a fairy tale, everything was possible, everything was magical. And so normal life, you know, going through just like committing to someone, committing to a process, being a parent, budgeting, you know, these things, it that normalcy almost felt like a low. Um, and the truth is like that awareness is something that the Enneagram could offer me technically, but the talking it out and having someone else to witness and reflect back is what really gave me that breakthrough. And you may not be feeling like down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high, your temper is shorter than usual, or even if you're starting to feel strain in your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. When there are things that you can't tell anyone or you feel like you can't unload to family and friends, which I definitely have been and am there often, and you need to unload it, and that's what therapy can be. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. I know that for some people that may not be comfortable. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours, which is unheard of. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be surprised at what you might gain from it. And you can take a chance and see if it's for you. And again, like having these conversations, bringing in your, your own awareness and having that reflected back to you is one of the most amazing things you can do for your growth journey. Again, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Enneagram and Coffee listeners actually get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash egram. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash egram for 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. Thank you so much, BetterHelp, for supporting the podcast. Okay, so now we get into the average levels. So this is where most of us start when we find the Enneagram, somewhere between levels four through six. Level six being the level of overcompensation and four being the level of imbalance and social role. At level six, sevens are excessive, self-focused and materialistic. They may have the sense that they can ne never be satisfied, nothing is enough. 
At this level, they can be demanding and pushy, and they can struggle with addiction, be hardened and insensitive toward the needs and feelings of others. At level five, sevens can't tell the difference between what they need and what they want. They resist saying no to themselves and seek constant activity. They lack a filter for doing and saying whatever comes to their mind. So this can look like storytelling, exaggeration, performing. Personally, I have a party persona. I have this like persona that I put on when I go into social situations that's like fun and light and gregarious. And it's almost like I'm posturing in that. And that's kind of like my performance. And I didn't really start noticing that until I learned the Enneagram. And also at this level, they fear boredom and need to maintain constant activity. And this causes them to overcommit. And then because they're overcommitting, they tend to under deliver. They're really quick to say yes, but also really quick to say, actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to do something else instead. At level four, seven seek constant options and adventures. They explore and have so many different experiences that they are seen as worldly and wise. And they struggle to focus, but they hear though, and they are constantly seeking new ideas and experiences. At least this level, they tend to be like a jack of all trades, a connoisseur, a consumer. They're preoccupied with money, options, and what is trendy at that moment. For example, I used to have to be the first person to try a new restaurant or coffee shop. Like it was like this fixation around it's, it wasn't like I wanted other people to um, see me as someone who did this, but it was just like, I, I couldn't let that stone go unturned. I needed to do it as soon as possible. And I wanted to just enjoy every possible thing there was in life. So anything new I needed to experience. So now we get into this like higher levels of health for our type four, our type sevens. This is where we get to as we continue our work and inch closer to presence. That's levels three through one. Level three being the level of social value and one being the level of liberation. At level three, sevens are accomplished achievers. Renaissance humans doing lots of different things very well. They can be practical, productive, and prolific, creating a ton of things in a short amount of time. They also pull together lots of different areas of interest, sharing knowledge from different worlds and experiences, cross-pollinating interests so that um, they're making connections that are often rarely made. At level two, sevens are engaging, enthusiastic, and experiential. They're excited about life and find everything interesting and engaging. They're full of life, eager, and resilient. And finally, at level one, sevens at their healthiest allow themselves to experience life in depth. They become grateful for the present moment instead of focused on the good that they will feel in their future plans. They're grateful for what they have. They're in awe of the simple things in life, and they believe in the goodness of humanity and the universe. Now, for our call to action for our type sevens, I want to encourage you to practice naming your emotions when they arise. Now, this is, can allow you to resist the urge to flee, run away from them, but instead to honor them without needing a reason to run. And for bonus points, if you are struggling to appreciate what you have, you can write a great daily gratitude list for what it is you are currently struggling to commit to. If that's a relationship, if that's being a parent, if that is a current job, you know, focus in on what are 10 good things about this relationship today. And that can help you to stay focused on where you are in the good that is there. If this is something that you're interested in, I have an episode specifically on a new way to think about gratitude that could be really helpful. Finally, today's food for thought is from Thich Nhat Hanh. 
Your true home is in the here and the now. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.